podcast as part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hey, I'm Ray Hudson, and you are, I don't know who you are, but you're listening to Blaugranagram. Don't be like them kids in the Blair Witch Project and go away. All right? All right. Welcome to the Driven Shot Podcast. Welcome, everyone. No, not like that. Don't just go in like that. Don't barge in, man. This ain't your damn home. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Driven Shot Podcast. I am your host, Omar, and first off, I'd like to apologize for this for this episode being so late. It's the fourth episode, and I've been talking about the fourth episode for a little while now. Um, as you might know if you did read the thread that I put out the other day, uh, I've been dealing with some stuff, and I've just been very busy in general. Uh, I've been working on the bachelor's project for uni, and one of my friends that I'm working with for uni and he's one of my closest friends as well went through went through some personal trouble so I had to help him with that and um, on top of that I've been working with some stuff for the brand uh, for blog Ron and Graham and keeping up with that and my daily news reporting it's it hasn't been easy uh, but I'm, I'm back I'm back on track now and I am doing my best to make sure that these do come out weekly so if you still are enjoying these if you have any any things, any pointers that you want to give me, any tips, any things you feel may, you know, should be improved on in these podcasts, do let me know because I have noticed that the, uh, well, the views or the streams are swinging. So and sometimes they'll get, they'll be really good. Sometimes the numbers and, and the reception that you guys give me will be really good. And other times it won't be as good. And I can't figure out if that is because it's, an, you know, I'm posting these in a way that I didn't use to before because Previously, I would just post these on YouTube and that would be it, but now it's also on other platforms, so I have to get you guys, some of you guys at least, on those platforms as well, uh, because I know that a lot of you back then requested for me to put them out on Spotify or any, you know, uh, listenable, you know, want a listenable version, because you might not have time to watch the video, you'd rather just be able to listen to it, because that's, that's what podcasts are for the most part, um, so... I've been trying to cater to that as well, and I do realize that it might not be as straightforward because there are so many different platforms, and you obviously want to find the one that you use the most. And if you use more than one, you got to also decide which one you want to use uh, for listening to the podcast. So, if you guys do have any pointers uh, in terms of that, or have any experiences when it comes to you know which one you prefer, do let me know. And let, if you have any ideas of how to improve this podcast or make it more enjoyable for you guys as well. Um, whether that be some concepts that we can that I can include during these podcasts, like I have question time and laugh of the week, uh, or other things, do you know? Tweet at me or DM me or send me an email, whatever works for you. And uh, that being said, let's talk about what happened most recently, which was that Lionel Messi won FIFA's the best award of 2019. Um, you know, I can't, I can't really say much that, first off, hasn't been said by others, but also hasn't, haven't, you know, hasn't been said by me because, you know, for me, Messi obviously deserved to win that award. Uh, you could make a very strong case for Virgil Van Dijk given how great of a season he's had. You know, uh, he's been good for the national team as well. But the thing with Messi is that his standards are so high, and that's not just me being a Messi fan. That's not. I'm not saying it from that perspective. I'm just talking from a neutral perspective. When you look at how Messi has played in the past seasons, his standards are so high, you don't compare him to other players because he's just way above that. 
So you compare you compare him to him. So where other players, you know, for other players getting a goal and an assist in a game might be amazing, or a goal every game might be amazing. That would be that, you know, that player's really good form. Whereas if Messi doesn't get a goal, that's deemed a bad game for him. Whereas for other players, you'd be you'd look at the game and you'd be like, you know what, he's actually done pretty well. He might not have gotten a goal, but he was very involved in the play and so on and so forth. But for Messi, because we've been, we've gotten so used to him scoring or assisting in every game or doing something absolutely out of this world, whenever he doesn't do that, for the neutral viewer, he's just disappointed in that game. And that's you know that's one of the things where you can say he, he's too successful for his own good. You know sometimes sometimes you could make that case. You could also make that case with with Pep Guardiola. Um, you know, he's a victim of his own success. And when you compare a player to himself, especially considering that Messi right now is aging, he's having he's he's being injured, got you know, he, he got injured, came back, and got a minor discomfort that might be an injury as well. You know, it, it does it does spark some thoughts and you also gotta remember that considering that player is aging, he might you know, Messi right now, um you know, he won't be able to produce, you know, in certain aspects of his game, in certain parts of his game, he won't be able to replicate what he could replicate, say, seven, eight years ago. And that's simply because he's aging. And you also have to consider that. The, what he's putting in right now, the effort he's putting in, uh, both st statistically, but also as how, you know, in how, what he actually provides during the game, what he actually adds to the team, is absolutely phenomenal. And the fact that someone can look at his season last season, and tell me that he was not the best player of the world is is baffling to me. Because um, if you saw any player, if you saw any other player have that season that he had last season, you would call that a breakout season. No doubt you'd call that a breakout season. If a player like Luka Jovic or Juan Felix, and I know this might be a reach because they are very, very young players. But if you saw any, if you saw any other player have that kind of season... Because he is not at Messi's standards, you deem that an absolutely fantastic season and he would have to win the Ballon d'Or. Now, I get that it's difficult to compare a defender to a forward, right? That's that's not easy. But if you look at individually what Messi adds to Barcelona and what Van Dijk adds to Liverpool, from a neutral point of view, for someone who doesn't watch, which a lot of people don't watch Messi week in, week out, right? I personally do. I know a lot of Barcelona fans do. Um... For those people that don't watch him week in, week out, you could argue that they are very close. And if Messi didn't have the season that he had, if Messi's season was a bit, I wouldn't say poorer, because that does bring it in a bit negative light, but if his season wasn't as good as it was last season, you could have, you could have made a case for Van Dyke being number one in the world. But how Messi performed last season and how he's performed in the past few seasons is absolutely incredible. And it, it, it really surprises me that someone thinks... That another player would be more worthy uh, of that title, of the title as the best in the world, you know. And that's with no disrespect to Virgil Van Dijk, who I think has been absolutely immense for for Liverpool. He's been great for the national team, but Messi just Messi was better, you know. And, and even even Van Dijk said that. He said that. Uh, he said it multiple times now, I believe. Where he said Messi is the best player in the world. He's not the only one who said that either. And then you have some people going on Twitter, and I know some of the, you know I know uh, 
you know, a, a big part of those are trolls, the ones that post like, oh look, he got a 5.4 rating on SofaScore. And it's like, okay, cool, he got a 5.4 rating on a purely rating-based app. Like, okay, that app is, you know, it takes it takes multiple factors into, into consideration. I, I'm pretty sure they watch at least some of the games, surely. But those apps mainly look at numbers. They don't look at how good was this chance how how well did he actually play he might only have created two big chances but given how much given that this defense played a completely low block system barely allowing him to have the ball how much did he actually do when he had the ball how did you know how did his teammates do when he passed them the ball stuff like that is not taken into consideration by those apps and if you don't watch and i'm not just talking about messi i'm not talking i'm also talking about people judging cristiano people judging neymar people judging Eden Hazard. If you don't watch those games, it's not, you know, you won't be able to get the same, you know, in-depth, like, you won't be able to form that opinion of how that player has played in a way that justifies how the player has played if you just look at the numbers. If you look at how the player plays, if you look at what movement he makes on and off the ball, that's when you can actually go in and say, okay, this player this player was this good or this player was this bad. Otherwise, you don't. You can't really talk about a player and act like you know how he played if you just watched what some certain app that you have on your phone told you. That's not a way of judging a player, and that's what a lot of people tend to do nowadays. Because you know, obviously, you don't have the time to watch all the games that are going on, and many times, unfortunately, you have two big games going on at the same time, so you obviously can't stay fixated at both. Uh, so, for obvious reasons, you'd have to resort to just looking at the apps, but I don't think it's fair that some people judge a certain player. And again, I'm not talking about one single player, I'm talking about many players that I've seen being judged solely based off of those app ratings. And it's just not fair for any of those players. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people would say that, you know, see, Messi did not deserve it, because look, he had this and this many assists, and this player had this and this many assists, or this player was not dribbled past, this guy did this and this much, and only base it off of numbers, without actually considering how much that player actually adds to the team, and how poor the team is without that player in. Um, so, for me, Messi, undoubtedly the best in the world, and I do hope that he'll win the Ballon d'Or. Now, Messi's, dis uh, Messi's discomfort, because I have seen a lot of people speculating on the timeline, um... From what I could read, it did not seem to be too troublesome. Uh, obviously, they don't want to risk a big relapse, which means that he might be... He, he's most likely out for the Getafe game, and I could see him being ruled out for Inter, uh, purely for precautionary purposes, because obviously, he's just come back from an injury. He's barely played this season, and Valverde said that they took him off because it just seemed to be a discomfort. They don't want him to be you know, further injured. But I, I don't think it's a big injury. I just think they, they don't want to rush him back in. Um, and given that he felt that discomfort, they don't want that to come back. And they don't want him to be even more injured than he is because they know how much we need him this season. Uh, and that's the thing, too. When you think about how we've played in the league and when you think about Valverde's decisions when it comes to, you know, using players like Ansu Fati, uh, Usman Dembele, Luis Suarez, and Griezmann, it is kind of worrying, cause he has been using he has been using Ansu Fati pretty well. He's been using now. Well, Dembele has been injured, but he, he did give him he did give him a fair share of minutes. I think Dembele did well. Um, 
A lot of people said that Dembele played like Dembele usually does, which I disagree with because this time he actually didn't try to dribble too much. He's been trying to do that, well, before he got injured uh, this time. He actually tried to dribble too much sometimes. He tried to, you know, overcomplicate things. And I think this time he was he, he was good at keeping it simple. Um, and I hope that that's what he'll do for the future now. And that's I'm, I'm mainly saying that because what Coutinho's problem at Barca towards the end was, and take this from someone who followed him very closely, uh, Coutinho tried to do too much when he was on the ball, and that's just a fact. He tried to do too much. Dembele tried to do too much uh, recently, and now he's become much better at you know just not trying as hard when it comes to making those dribbles and actually just do the simple thing. Now, obviously, I'm basing this off of this last game that we saw, and he might go back into his overcomplication mode again. But I do hope that he's learned to not overcomplicate things. I do hope that he's learned to just play the simple pass. And I think especially seeing a player like Ansu Fati come in and take that spot in the first team. Now, obviously, I'm not saying he's taking Dembele's spot, but he's definitely competing for it. And seeing that sort of competition in the team is very healthy for Dembele, for, you know, for the forward positions in general. Because let's say Suarez gets injured or let's say Valverde finally realizes that Suarez just isn't good enough to start for this team anymore. At that point you could see Griezmann being slot in uh, in the nine position as a false nine even maybe. Um, most likely as a nine because then you'd have Messi being in that cam type position. But then you'd have Griezmann up front and then the Bale and Fatih will be competing for the left for, for the left wing uh, for the left wing spot. So there are a lot of options that that you know that, he, that Valverde can experiment with, and I think Fatih is just going to add more to that. But it also takes for Valverde to see that Suarez just can't start anymore. As much as I love him as a player, as much as I respect him for what he's done for the club, he's just not good enough to be a starter right now. And I don't know if it's just a dip in form because that's what I've been telling. That's what I've been telling people. That's what I've been saying to myself is that he's probably just dipping in form. But it's been too long of a dip to actually think that, you know, he might just not be starter Matilde right now. Um, maybe he'd be good as a substitute until he regains his form. Maybe he won't regain his form. Maybe he's just past it and would be good as a substitute. And in that case, Valverde should realize that for the better of this, of this team. And as much as he likes to play Suarez, you can see he's not benefiting the team well enough. Put Griezmann up front. You even have Carlos Perez you can play on the wing. You have a lot of people you can play on the wings. There are many, many options he can make use of. And I really, really hope that he does because that's one of the things that will be absolutely crucial for us if we want to compete in any competition properly. Now, we haven't had the best of starts to La Liga. Uh, the Champions League has pretty much just begun. Um, and... You know, looking at the teams that we're, that we're about to face in the Champions League and looking at how the different clubs have actually gone on and strengthened this summer, it's clear to see this won't be an easy race. This, won't be, this Champions League season will not be easy for any team, right? We got so far last season. We got as far as we did last season. And because of the weak mentality in the team, you could also argue by Valverde in the final sprints. And again, as I've said in the past, I'm not just blaming Valverde for that. That was also on the players because they also have a responsibility. But seeing the mentality in the team overall in that 4-0 loss at Anfield, it is worrying that we've started the way we have 
because you see you look at the team and you see some of the players and it really makes you think like why are these guys still starting why are these players still starting at a club like Barcelona with the ambitions that we have why is he keeping a player who should unar you know you shouldn't even argue the fact that he should be a starter why is he keeping a player like well that's a question I've seen a lot a lot of people ask why did you keep De Young on the bench uh, in the in the in the past game we played and I think you know the one against Villarreal and I think the reason he kept him on the bench was you know it could be to rest him but then again you would think well playing against Getafe it's at home this one and it's Getafe so it's not like we're playing a really really big side it's not like the Champions League game is the next game so why would he arrest him um, that's one of the things where, where it really makes you think why Valverde is is making some of the decisions he's making now while I might while I might not agree with some of his decisions um, and I know a lot of people might not agree with some of his decisions um, he is making He's making some, you know, he's making some interesting decisions, and he's making some, some, you know, some of his decisions are, they seem strange to me, um, you know, he, he, well, let's say, okay, he wants to rest some of our starting midfielders in Artur, De Jong, or Busquets, right, plays Rakitic in as a pivot, maybe, or as a, as a box-to-box midfielder, if you want to rest our starting midfielders, instead of playing people like, like Rakitic, why not give Carlos Alenia a chance, or or maybe even Ricky Puj? Why not give them a chance instead of playing with the with players that you know might be leaving in half a year or a year, like Rakitic, for instance. Um, and I'm only saying that because of how close he was to leaving this year, and the fact that he was also, you know, half half on his way out the year before, right? But one thing I'm not really understanding is, if he wanted to replace Rakitic, let's just put it like that. If he wanted to replace Rakitic and get a player in that would provide with the same type of dynamic that, that Rakitic gives, the same type of work ethic, the same type of of profile that Rakitic has, he already has that in Arturo Vidal. And Vidal has barely played this season. He's played Sergio Roberto over him. And the thing with Roberto is, you know, as much as I like him for what he's done, and the fact that he came up from La Masia, obviously, I don't think he should be starting. I, I don't think he's a starting quality midfielder for Barca. He has some good games when he starts where he's doing really well, and then he has some games where it's just, like, why why is he the one starting? Why couldn't you start another talent if you want to start the talents, if you want to start the La Masia players? Why not start Alenia or Puj? Um... You know, you also have Vidal. If you want the Rakitic workhorse type midfielder, you have Arturo Vidal in there. You have Art- you have Frankie De Jong. You have Artur Melo. You have so many, so so many midfielders you can start with. And for some reason, even when it goes wrong, he seems to always go back to the same formula, as if going with the same formula will give you different results. Um, and and that's just not how it works. That's that's just not how it works. Um, you know, it's it's strange. It's strange. Now, a lot of people were against his overusage of Rakitic. I was one of them, and that was not because I don't like Rakitic or that I hate Rakitic or anything like that. It was simply because Rakitic was being overplayed. You were you played him to the point where Rakitic just couldn't provide him as much anymore. And then when he gave him a few games rest and then played him, Rakitic was amazing because he actually had gotten the rest he needed. Um, so, it's little things like that. They might seem small, but... 
they clearly affect the team. You know, when 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 a player like Roberto knows that, well, I'm not going to be a starter, but I am going to be a squad player. I have a I have this this you know I have this this slot in the team. This is my slot. No one's going to take this because I know I don't have competition. Valverde is not going to choose anyone, uh, you know, other than me for this position. So. Now, Roberto, Rakitic, etc., they know that the starting midfield right now, as it seems, is Busquets, Diang, and Artur. Now, when he's going to swap out one of those, Rakitic knows he's not going to be, the, he's not going to be the, the first team to pop up in Valverde's head anymore. That's going to be Roberto. So he's going to put in Roberto. Roberto knows that. So he's not going to be as eager to prove himself because he... I don't think Roberto is looking for a starting spot. You know, obviously... It's weird. It feels weird to say that for a Barca player, because obviously every Barca player should aim for that starting spot. And deep down, I think he, you know, he, he probably would love to start if he could. He he would love to. But if you look at the way he's playing, and then you look at what other players offer, I just don't think Roberto is a good is a good you know bet for the starting spot in Barcelona. I just don't think I, I don't think so. I don't think he is. You know, he was pulled out. He's, he was pulled off of right back when Semedo was about to leave, and Semedo got that right back position. I think he's been doing pretty well. He's even been versatile enough to play on the left back position. He's actually been doing pretty well there as well. That one time he was called on for, he actually did. He did pretty well. Um, so Roberto is not going to be a right back, but I don't think he should be a starting midfielder either. Even when we're lacking midfielders, I don't think he should be the first option to be the 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 you know replacement. I think Carlos Elena or Ricky Puig should have that spot. Because uh, Roberto is a workhorse type midfielder. He's, I guess you could say, a more, a bit more creative Rakitic. I would, I still, I still would think that the first replacement to pop, the first replacement that pops into my head when I think of Rakitic is Arturo Vidal, without a doubt. And if Valverde wants to continue that dynamic that he had, um, also with Paulinho, if he wants to continue down that road, Vidal would be the obvious bet. Now, yes, he's aging, but he would be the obvious bet if you want that profile. I don't understand why he's still playing. I don't. I don't understand why he's playing Roberto still. I just don't understand that. When you have other midfielders like Alenia and Puj, the thing with Alenia is that, well, for Puj, he's still in the B team, so he's still playing with the B team when he's not playing with Barca. But Ellen, yeah, is is with the first team. He's promoted, so he's just on the bench. He's not even playing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he hasn't played a single minute this season. So that's where you think would he have been better off being loaned out? And I wouldn't be surprised if he got loaned out in January, not with a buy option, but just a straight up loan. I would not be surprised. And if things continue like they have until now, and Valverde's preferences towards which midfielders he wants to play, which midfielders he wants to field, if that continues. I wouldn't blame Alenia for trying to, to get a loan out because he's a player who deserves playing time. He's been good every time he's played for us. He has that creativity in midfield. He has that dynamic movement, those dribbles, those those quick passes. And I wouldn't I wouldn't blame him if he got loaned out. I don't think that would be a bad decision by him. But I think if it, I, I don't think he should be the one leaving, even if it is on loan. I don't think he should be the one leaving this January or in the summer. Um so, I am, I'm obviously hoping that he stays with us, but I also hope that Valverde gives him a chance. Because if he doesn't give him a chance, I think Alenia would be better off elsewhere, at least on loan. And then comes back when either Valverde decides to play him more often, or if we get a new manager in the summer.
Um, as for Griezmann, I know a lot of people have had mixed opinions. Some have said that he's been absolutely amazing. Some have said that he hasn't been too great. Some of them have said that he's already a Barca flop and that he's going to be Coutinho 2.0. Like I said with De Jong, because uh, when people started getting concerned about De Jong and Valverde ruining De Jong, I said that I don't think that De Jong would be influenced by Valverde's uh, decisions too much because I think while Valverde obviously has the upper hand and says you play this role, you play this role, I still think De Jong is too versatile and, intel- and intelligent of a footballer to let Valverde's restrictions limit him too much. And I still say this. Th- I still think the same about Griezmann because Griezmann isn't a striker, per se. He's more of a second striker, more of a playmaker. And given that he hasn't, you know, he hasn't exactly come in all guns blazing with goals, but he's been good for us when it comes to link up play, hold up play, making those right passes, tracking back defensively. He's been amazing at that, making the right dribbles, making the right passes, the right runs, the right moves off the ball. And obviously, he's still getting used to it. You gotta remember, this is the same guy who played in a very defensive Diego Simeone side at Atletico for years. He's still getting used to the system, still getting used to the players around him. He's still, he's barely played with Messi, right? And he's still got to get used to it. He's got to get into that rhythm. And as soon as he is, I have no doubt that no, that even if he is played on the wing, he'll he'll still produce for us. He's such a great signing, and I know a lot of people were against it because. They didn't feel like we needed him. We needed more of a poacher. But I think with Messi's support, if Griezmann does become a number nine for us in the future, I think Griezmann will will just bang in goals because he is a lethal finisher. He is a lethal finisher, even though he might not have shown it too much at Barca yet. But he he's he's good in front of goal, and if he can get that support from Messi and whether it's Dembele or Ansu Fati or someone else, I think he's going to be amazing for us. And I think that also really comes down to. Whether Valverde decides to bench Suarez ultimately or not, because that's that that's what we need. That's what we need. If if this team needs to move forward right now, in terms of what we, you know, in terms of our finishing, in terms of our shooting, in terms of our scoring goals, to make up for the goals we're conceding at the back, we need a we need a player who doesn't slow down the attacks. And I don't I don't I'm not saying Suarez should leave the club, because I I love and respect him for what he's done and what he does. But I just think he shouldn't be a starter anymore. Not right now, at least. Maybe it is a dip in form. We we won't know until you know a while. But I know a lot of people have said that he's finished. I think I think he's still got it. But I st- I still think he's still got it, but not enough to be a starter. He could be a I think he could be a very good substitute, but not as a starter. And I think if he gets pushed down to that bench role, which we'll see what we'll we'll see if Valverde you know wants to do that and will do that. If he is pushed down to that bench role, first off, it'll motivate him. It should motivate him, at least, to do more on the field. And it will give other forwards a chance to actually prove their worth for Barcelona. And hopefully bang in some goals and get us some more wins, because we've been needing those in that league table. Um, and just the last thing I want to address before we move on to the next set, to the next segment is the Valverde out hashtag and the whole idea of Valverde leaving the club. Um... This also relates to the first question that I got, and I will talk about that a bit a bit later. But um, Valverde, right now, I don't see him being sacked. Uh, well, not right now, at least. But as I, well, from from what I've read from reliable outlets, the club trust him still. They still trust him. But if the pattern 
that has been going on in terms of, at least this was said before the Villarreal game, if the pattern that we've seen and how we've, we're drawing games and not playing well and even losing some games, if that pattern keeps going, they could reconsider his status at the club. So if we just start getting losses all over the place and playing poorly, I could see it happening, but I don't see that thing. I don't, I don't see us all of a sudden just playing poorly and not you know losing all games. I don't see that happening. But if that does happen for a streak of games, I could see his, his position being reconsidered. Um, if you're still watching, let me know who you would want down below. Let me know in the comments below. If you're watching this on Spotify or Google Podcasts or something like, or something like that, let me know on Twitter using the TDS Pod hashtag. If you do have any questions, let me know using the TDS Pod, TDS Pod hashtag. That's a tongue twister. And uh, on that note, let's get right on to the next segment. It's question time. All right. So the first question comes from Apple Fusion. And says, do you think there is a chance of Valverde getting sacked? Now, I did briefly address it. I could see it happening if the if, 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 if you know if a long streak of losses comes up. But I will be honest with you, I could see him leaving in the summer if there is a right candidate to take over. And that really depends on which options are available now and which about and which options will be available, you know, in a year from now. But I could see him getting sacked if we start losing a lot of games and play very poorly. I could see him getting sacked, but I don't see us performing that poorly for a streak of games. I don't see it happening, but we'll have to wait and see. I think the chance is there, but I don't think it's a very, very big chance, I have to say. So that's the first question. The second question comes from Mo. And says, what do you think Valverde is going to do when Messi is back, given how much he changed his tactics? So, De Jong and Arthur have been given more freedom to move, and with Griezmann playing better in a central position. Uh, I kind of went over this, but to answer your question, Mo, I think that, um, I think I think it's going to be a, well, it, it depends on Suarez, obviously. But I think if, if Valverde decides to actually bench Suarez, I could imagine it being a, Messi, Suarez, uh, Messi, Griezmann, Dembele, or Messi, Griezmann, Fati, uh, when Dembele is injured or needs rest. I could see that being the front trio. I don't think we'll play with a 4-4-2 or a 4-3-1-2, simply because Suarez just isn't doing well enough in that right now. He's not doing well enough as a whole, so I I, I hope that we won't play with him up front with Griezmann, uh, simply because Suarez is out of form right now and just needs to... You know, he needs to be on the bench for, for a little while to gain, you know, to, to regain that motivation, that drive, that passion, and regain, hopefully regain his form when he comes to play again. Uh, I th- yeah, I, th- I think I think that's going to be the, I think we're going to play with that front trio of Messi, Griezmann, and Dembele if Suarez is demoted to the bench. But if he isn't, I could see it being a Messi, Suarez, Griezmann, and then Dembele and Fati on the bench, or Dembele on the bench. Um... That's how I could see that going. And obviously, I hope that Artur and Dion continue to be our starting midfielders with Busquets because that's been going that's been going really, really well. And uh, I hope I hope that continues. That's been going really well. Um, so, you know, that he's got that one right. And uh, it seems like the players are learning how to play with each other as time goes on, which, you know, obviously is what we would all hope for. But it seems like Dion is linking up with, with some of the players really, really well. Uh, Artur is 
controlling the tempo of the game real well. He's become better at releasing the ball when he has to instead of making three 360 turns on the players like uh, like he used to do it initially. But again, you know, without to it, I could understand why he did that. You know, you want to impress as well, and I think he's been he's been in, he's been a gem for us, and I think DeYoung is going to be absolutely amazing as well. Uh, even though he might not have been off to the most of promising starts according to some, I think he's actually been doing really, really damn well. As for the third question from uh, Fares, uh one of the uh, one of the ever loyal uh, listeners and, and fans of mine. Uh, and of the blog on a gram uh, brand he says is episode four a myth now <laughs> you know what I, I don't blame you for that question i don't blame you for that question once again i'm sorry for uh keeping you guys waiting for so long i hope you're still tuned in and um if you have let me down you know comment down below if you're on youtube or you know uh hashtag tds pod on twitter and let me know let me know your predictions of for the next game against Getafe. Who do you think will win? Who do you think will score? Let me know down below. Let's uh, let's have a talk. Let's have a talk. I want to see what you guys think. And on that note, it's uh, it's time for the last segment of this podcast, episode four. It is laugh of the week. So this laugh of the week comes from uh, Ferris again, and this one shows these two Australian players from the national team. Uh, Elise Kellan Knight and Lisa Divana. I just had to read it off screen because, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> the thing is I have the other screen there, so that's why I have to look up there sometimes, just so you know. And um, essentially, it's a very short, I think, a four-second clip of of uh, Kellan Knight giving Div- Divana this water bottle, or it seems like Gatorade actually, I'm not too sure what it is, but she gives her this bottle, and she's about to drink it. It's mid-game, I think. Uh, and she ends up, she ends up trying to drink it upside down, and then she flips it for it. I love this video, man. I love this video. So she flips it over, and she just continues drinking like nothing happens. I love that. I love that. Thank you for that submission. Um, if you guys have any funny tweets you you stumble across or any funny videos or anything you want me to include in this podcast or if you have any questions do use the has the uh tds pod hashtag and uh send them my way now i will be doing my best to post these weekly and i will keep you guys updated i will have an announcement coming in the coming days i'm still working on the final details for that but it will be coming up soon so stay tuned for that and uh on that note i'd like to thank you for tuning in i was well, I have been trying to keep these podcasts at a length where I think you guys uh, wouldn't get, you know, either bored or feel like it's too slow-paced or anything like that. And at the same time, I didn't want to rest them or make them feel too fast-paced. So, I've been trying to find a middle ground, and I think this one is about 40 minutes, 40 minutes, 40-ish. And hopefully that should do it. If you guys have any suggestions for the length, if you think this one was too short or too long or right, you know, right, if it really just hit the spot... Time-wise, do let me know. I want it. You want you know. I want you guys to enjoy this as much as I do, and I genuinely do enjoy making these. And hopefully, you guys enjoy listening to them as well. So, um, if you haven't already, subscribe on YouTube. Drop a like on this if you are on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts. Do follow the podcast. Uh, drop a rating. Uh, let me know if you enjoyed it or not. If there's anything you think I can improve on, because that also helps the podcast getting a bigger reach to other people who might not be. Uh, you know, who might not be following me on Twitter. 
or if you know it, it will get a bigger reach to people who are on those respective platforms so if you do have the option to please do that and uh on that note like i'd like to thank you for tuning in thank you for watching and i hope you have a fantastic day and i'll see you next week peace out everyone